Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. So glad you're here this morning, and I'm excited because I get to kick off a brand new series. But before we start, I just want to take a moment. We're, we're acknowledging lots of people today, but we have something really exciting happening this week. And uh, we've got an army of students. Our student movement is headed to youth camp. They leave tomorrow morning. And we're so excited about this. There's a whole army of students. And listen, there's an army of leaders. Uh, There's like 14 leaders, I believe, that have taken off work. They're taking their vacation days to go and invest in our students. And I couldn't be a more proud pastor. And I'm so excited for what God is gonna do in the lives of our students. And I'm really believing in all of you leaders as well this week. And um, my life was significantly marked at youth camp. There was a moment for me that just awakened me to the purpose and the calling of God on my life. And I'm believing that our teenagers are just gonna have an amazing time. And I'd just like to ask you to do something with me. Number one, I'm gonna pray for them in just a moment. And I'm gonna ask you to pray with me. But number two, I'm just gonna ask that as you go through your week, they leave tomorrow morning, they come home on the 4th of July. As you go through your week, would you just Take a moment and pray for our students and pray for our leaders and really believe that God's gonna do something just amazing at youth camp this week. If you'd do that with me, that'd be so amazing. But right now, let's pray for them here and in this service together as a church family. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the opportunity for all of our students to go to camp this week. God, we're so excited for what you have in store for them. And God, I just pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would open their hearts to hear what you have to say, open their ears to hear your voice. God, I pray that this week that you would awaken purpose and destiny in the lives of these teenagers. God, I pray for every leader who's there, that you'll fill them with strength and energy. God, give them wisdom as they are leading. And God, I pray that you'll meet them right there in that space. God, I thank you that you are so faithful. God, I thank you that you have a purpose and a destiny for each and every one of us, God. And we just ask together as a church this morning that you would just do something amazing in the lives of our students as they go away to camp this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, we're kicking off a a brand new series at the Movement Church, and we're calling it The Blessed Life. And honestly, one of the things that we tend to face, some of the biggest problems that we face in life, some of the, the biggest problems we face in our marriages or in our businesses or in any relationship for that matter, seem to center around finances. And And one of the questions that we get asked the most at the Movement Church is, why why do you talk about finances so much? But yet at the same time, everybody's so curious to know, how do I manage my finances? How do we navigate the conflict that comes from finances? And honestly, this is a topic that for some reason in church tends to make people feel the most uncomfortable, right? (laughs) It's why everybody's so quiet right now. You're like, oh, So everybody take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. 
okay? But listen, the reason that we want to talk about our finances, the reason we want to have this conversation as a church is because this is something that Jesus talked more about than, than a lot of other subjects. This is one area he really talked a lot about. And I just think it stands to reason that God's word gives us insight on, on every aspect of our life. And so if God's word gives us insight insight on every aspect of our life, he obviously has a plan and a purpose for our finances. He obviously has a a blessing in store for us with our finances. And so this whole series for the next three weeks, listen, I'm challenging you, don't miss a week. This whole series is going to be about unpacking biblical promises and blessings in relation to our finances. And what I want to challenge you with as a church is this, You don't have to agree with everything that I'm going to say. You don't have to agree with everything. I promise you, I'm gonna teach you what the word of God says and you don't have to agree, but I'm just challenging you. Would you be open? Would you just be willing to open your heart and say, God, what are you trying to say to me? We do a series like this about every three years, not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. And we really do believe that when our finances are surrendered and submitted to God's purpose, we can truly live a blessed life. So are you ready for today? We're gonna dive right in. And I just thought I'd start with a story. You know, um, I have two daughters. One is 15 and one is 10. And my daughter, Avery, is my youngest. And a handful of years ago, she was really struggling with something. She was having a serious issue with lying. And I don't know if you have kids, but as a parent, when you have a child that's struggling with a serious issue, it can tend to make my my mom mind go all sorts of places. And I was like, if we don't figure out how to solve this problem with Avery, she is gonna be like a con artist or something. I mean, it was the worst case scenario, I was convinced. But, But the problem was Avery's super creative and she can come up with a story so fast and she's super believable. And so we were noticing this issue with her. And so we were really aware and paying attention so that we could try to correct her and make sure that this wasn't gonna be a lifelong issue. And so Avery had a job in our house. She still has this job and she is responsible to walk our dog every morning when she gets up. We live in a condo and so we have no backyard. So she has to put a leash on the dog, walk her, allow her to go number one and number two. And, and then she comes back. And we also have to pick up number two when that happens, right? And so we have these little poop bags that are attached to the leash that she leaves with every single morning. And so one morning she went out to walk the dog and um, she came back really fast. And I was like, huh, Avery, are you sure that Lucy went number one and number two? And she's like, yep, she did, mom. She was super fast today. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, but awesome. And so Avery went about getting ready for school and my dog, Lucy, just kept going to the front door crying. And she was ringing this little bell that we put there to let us know she needed to go outside. And and I thought, what is wrong with this dog? And then she kept crying at the door. And so I called Avery back into the kitchen and I said, Avery, Lucy is crying at the front door and, and she's ringing the bell are you sure that she went number one and number two? And Avery goes, yeah, mom, she did. And I go, Avery, are you being honest with me? And she looked at me and she said, yeah, mom, I am. But I saw the twinkle in her eye. 
And any of you who are parents know what I mean because God has given us a special discernment to know when our kids are telling us the truth or not. And so I said, Avery Lane Robinson, serious when you get the whole name, Avery Lane Robinson, you are not being honest with me. You did not let the dog go number one and number two. And she kind of started like lip quivering and tears welling up in her eyes. And she was like, I didn't. And and I was so angry. And so I just said, put the leash on that dog and take her back outside right now. And so she did. And when she came back in the house, she was crying and she was just, mom, I'm so sorry. And I said, Avery, when you came back in the first time, the poop bag was gone. So where did it go? And she said, I threw it away. And I was like, So you mean to tell me that before you even walked back in the house, you had already decided that you were going to lie to me. You decided in your heart to be deceitful before you came in the house. And she just is crying and sobbing. And she goes, I know I have a bad heart. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take this moment. No, you don't have a bad heart. However, If you don't get this in check, this is going to be a problem that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And listen, God's concerned about your heart. So the title of today's message is this. It's all about the heart. Look at somebody beside you and tell them it's all about the heart. You know, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 verse 16 says this. The Lord sees not what man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord, the Lord looks at the heart. You see, God is super concerned about our hearts. It's the one thing that he really cares about. He's super concerned about our hearts. And so I want to take a minute and just unpack some scripture and talk about our heart. You know, if you've been here for a little while, we just finished a series called Words, and we were talking about the most important words that Jesus ever spoke, found in Matthew chapter 5, verse chapter five through chapter seven. And so maybe you've heard this scripture, but I just wanna take a minute and look at it again. In Matthew chapter seven, verse one and two, it says this, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now let's pause right there. I want you to notice that in this scripture, Jesus is talking about the heart. He's talking about issues of the heart because judgment, it proceeds from the heart. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want to pause for just a moment and look back at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. The the team, can you put it back up on the screen for me? It starts like this, and I want you just to read this part with me. Are you ready? Judge not that you may not be judged that you be not judged. That was fancy language there. Okay, and then it says this, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And read this last part with me. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I just wanted you to catch what this scripture says. Judge not that you be not judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now we're gonna take a minute and we're gonna look at the parallel scripture to this. So we're gonna skip on over to the gospel of Luke chapter six. And it says this, I want you to notice the very beginning, the gospel of Luke chapter six, it says, judge not and you will not be judged. Does that sound familiar? Okay. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. 
Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Does that sound familiar? So they start and they end the same. Judge not and you will not be judged. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. But let's notice what's in between there for just a minute. Can you put that scripture back up there? Let's notice what's in between. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put in your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, did anybody see the word money anywhere in that scripture? No. The word money actually doesn't appear in those verses, but it's what we think about when we hear those verses. It's what we think about when we hear give and it will be given to you. Because when we hear the word give, we most often think about money. And listen, you can put money into this verse, but if we just put money into this verse, we might lose the deeper meaning that's there. Because what Jesus is really talking about He's talking about the condition of our heart. And this is what he's trying to teach. You see, he was always teaching us about giving. And this is what we do in church too. We're gonna always talk about giving. We can't talk about grace without talking about giving. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We can't talk about marriage issues without talking about giving because a marriage can't exist without two people who are willing to give. You see, giving is all about the condition of our heart. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And oftentimes I think when we we go to church and we hear someone talk about giving, we go, well, they're just after my money. (laughs) Well, yes, God is after your money. The church is not after your money, but God is after your money. Do you know why? Because God knows that there's a very direct connection between my heart and my finances. He said it, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Listen, I know that every single one of us in this room, if we were to leave today and we were to go invest a significant chunk of money into the stock market, a specific stock, do you know what we would be doing every day? We'd be checking it. And some of us, it would be more than once a day. It'd be like every hour we'd be checking it. Why? Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So if you want your heart in God's kingdom, you've got to put your treasure in God's kingdom. But listen, this is not just about giving. It's, it's all about the heart. That scripture says, with the measure you give, it will be given back to you. It says, don't judge, lest you be judged. Don't condemn, lest you be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. You know that word forgive, give is the root word. Do you know what for means? In favor of. So listen, if you're in favor of giving, you can forgive. People who have a problem with forgiving have a problem with giving. It's all about the heart. God's talking about the the heart here, the condition of the heart. And in this, we find this principle of sowing and reaping. 
Give and it will be given to you. This, this measure of giving, this principle of sowing and reaping. You know, if I was to take an apple seed and I was to plant it in the ground many, many years from now, because we all know that takes a while, it would grow an apple tree, which would have multiple apples and multiple seeds, right? If I was to take a corn kernel and, and place it into the ground, it would produce a corn husk, right? A stalk of corn. And, and we could have lots and lots of kernels from that investment. This is a principle that applies to every area of our life. That scripture, give blank, and it will be given to you. Listen, it's, you can fill in the blank with anything, with anything. Whatever you're gonna give, you will get it back and more. This is God's economy, okay? And this is, this is a, a good verse, but I was thinking about my family. And I was thinking about the fact that we have a very strong family, both my husband and I are, are pretty strong and stubborn individuals. We're loud and, uh, and we always think we're right. All of us. Yeah, he says he is. And uh, we produce two children who are exactly like us. Very strong and very stubborn and very loud. And, and my kids are five years apart. And I would have thought that they would have nothing to fight about. They're five years apart. But they have found plenty to argue about. And, and I'll never forget, I mean, a little while back, and we go through seasons of this in our home, my oldest daughter came running into my room, and I had heard lots of yelling and things that were happening, and she came running into my room, Mom, I am so angry right now. Avery is being so rude to me. She is being so rude to me. And then Avery came running into the room, and she's sobbing, crying, you don't know what she said to me. And they're screaming and yelling, and then I'm like, enough, enough already. I am tired of everyone in this house being mean to everyone. Stop it right now. And then I hear Carrie from around the corner, another room in our house. Why are you guys yelling at your mom? And at this point, the entire house is yelling because this verse applies. Give harshness and harshness will be given back to you. Give yelling, yelling will be given back to you. Give unkindness and unkindness will be given back to you, right? Listen, this verse is awesome, but it depends on what you give. Give judgment and judgment will be given back to you. Give gossip and gossip will be given back to you. Or give love and love will be given back to you. Give compassion and compassion will be given back to you. I'm just thinking give chocolate. <laughs> it's a good idea, right? But listen, the scripture is all about the heart. And every single one of us has a giving problem at some point or another in our life. But what we really have is a heart issue. And when God really gets a hold of our heart, fully and completely, he'll also get a hold of our wallet, fully and completely. So how do we develop the kind of heart that God is looking for? We're gonna pick up in the scripture found in Deuteronomy chapter 15. I'm gonna start with verse seven and eight. And it says this, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren, within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. 
Listen, I wanna talk to you out of this scripture about four things that we can do to develop the kind of heart that God is looking for. So if you're taking notes, four things that we can do to develop the kind of heart that God is looking for. And the first one is this, deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. That scripture in Deuteronomy continues on in verse nine. It says this, beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. He's talking about selfishness. Saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. And your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and it become sin amongst you. What they're talking about here is selfishness is sin. Selfishness is sin. You see, this scripture was referring to a biblical time in the Old Testament in Israel. God had set up a system for his people, and he had challenged his people to be the kind of people who are willing to give. So if my neighbor or somebody comes to me and says, I don't know what to do. I can't pay my bills this month. I can't feed my family. I don't know what to do. Can I borrow from you? The scripture is saying that we're to be willing to open our hands and say whatever I can do. But at that time in history, God had set up this system in Israel where every seven years, there was a year of release, which meant it was called the year of Jubilee. Every seven years, every debt that people owed was completely wiped out. How many of you think we should reinstitute this today? Yes? It's like the one part of the Old Testament. I'm like, bring it back, please. But what this scripture is saying is that, listen, when someone comes to you and they say, I'm in need, I, I need some help, we're to be willing to open our hands, this willingness to open our hands and lend to them. And the scripture says, now listen, don't think selfishly. Don't think, this is the year of Jubilee. That means if I lend they might not pay me back. No, what he's saying is that kind of a thought is wickedness. Selfishness is wickedness. Don't even think about the year of Jubilee. It's saying just be willing to open your hands. Listen, it's challenging us that selfishness is sin. It's sin. And God wants us to eliminate selfishness from our lives and from our way of thinking. You know, I'm gonna ask you a rhetorical question and I've asked this to people before so you don't have to answer out loud. Why do you think God created giving? Why do you think God created giving? You know, I've heard people answer, well, to take care of the church, to help the poor. And these are all good answers. But do you really think that God needs your money to support his work? Do you really think that God implemented giving because he needs something? He doesn't need anything. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is his. No, God implemented giving for us to remove selfishness from our lives. You see, giving more than any other activity of a believer works selfishness and greed out of our lives. That's what it does. So going back to Luke chapter six, verse 38, we teach on this all the time and we teach give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaking together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. And we hear this scripture often in relation to giving, but do you know what the problem is when we just look at that scripture? 
The problem with just looking at that scripture and teaching it is that it's preached, give and you'll get. Give and you'll get. And the problem with that is it just works selfishness and greed back into our lives. I don't think God is sitting up in heaven going, wow, this is wonderful. My people are finally catching the revelation of getting. No, we need to catch the revelation of giving. Luke 6.38 is not a motive to give. It's the reward for giving with the right heart. That's what it's about. God didn't implement giving so that we can get. He implemented giving to deal with our hearts, to work selfishness and greed out of our hearts. So the first thing we have to do to develop the kind of heart God is looking for is number one, we have to deal with a selfish heart. And the second is this, we've got to deal with a grieving heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Deuteronomy 15 continues, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, giving with the right heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. So listen, the scripture is helping us understand that if we could just learn to give with the right heart, that God is saying, I have blessings in store for you. You see, selfishness, it attacks us before we give, but grief happens after we give. But if we could learn to give with the right heart, the Bible's telling us, listen, there are blessings for you. And it says in everything, blessings in everything, that means blessings for my kids, blessings in my home, blessings in my marriage, blessings for everything I do. Listen, the scripture's promising us that there are blessings attached to our obedience. You know, this is embarrassing actually, because I'm just thinking of this right now when I'm talking about giving. And... We are supposed to take people out to lunch, but I told you that I left my purse at home. So I don't have any money on me at all. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Nate, that was so generous of you. You do have a good heart. Wow, and it's a $100 bill. I mean, okay. Like who wants to go to lunch with us today? Anybody? This is awesome. I mean, that was so generous of you. Thank you. You know, I, I, don't, think, I don't think Nate is grieving over giving this to me. Are you, Nate? Oh, good. Man, just a little bit maybe, but not, not really. He's not grieving over giving me this $100. Do you know why? Because it's mine. I gave it to him before church started. So he's not grieving over giving this back to me because it's mine in the first place. It was, it was never his. It didn't belong to him. So there's no grief attached to giving it to me. Why do you think we grieve after we give? because we think it's ours. We think it's ours, but the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And when we give back to God what is already his, we don't grieve over it. When we actually catch the revelation that everything that we have is actually God's, there's no grief that's involved in giving. When God set up a system for us and how to steward our finances, and he says, listen, test me in this. I promise you this will work. And he says, bring your tithe, return your tithe. He's saying, I have given you 100% of everything that you have, but I don't want you to give 100% back to me. I'm just asking you to trust me and give me the 10%, the first 10%. If we realize that everything we have is actually God's, 
We don't grieve. We don't get angry. We don't get upset about actually returning to God what was rightfully his. Listen, if we wanna develop the kind of heart God wants, we've gotta deal with a selfish heart. We've gotta deal with a grieving heart. Number three, we're gonna go from dealing into developing. We need to develop a generous heart. We need to develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy picks up in verse 14. It says, you shall supply him liberally from all of your flock, from your threshing floor and from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Listen, liberally means generously. And generously is a willingness to give more of something. You see, God wants us to be generous. He knows that we were born selfish, but he wants us to be born again generous. You know, we all know we're born selfish, don't we? Because whether you have kids or you've been a kid or you know a kid, you know that little kids really struggle with this concept, right? Because when they have friends over to their house to play and their friend goes to pick up one of their toys, what do they do every single time? Mine! I'm playing with that. And they go and they grab the toy. And then the friend goes to play with another toy and your child goes, mine, I'm playing with that. Why? Because we are born selfish. This is one of the first things we have to teach our kids is how to be generous. And I just wonder if God's not looking at us as his kids and saying, when are you gonna grow up? When are you gonna be more like your father? Your father in heaven who loved you so much, he gave everything. You know, one of my favorite things we do at the Movement Church is, um, it happens every November and December, we do something called Give Hope. And we do a campaign as an entire church to invest in the different kids that are in our world. So we invest financially in our kids that are at our, our campus, our church campus in Swaziland, where we provide a Christmas party and fun things for them that they would never get. And we invest in kids here in our own community who, who don't have their basic needs that are being met. And we invest in kids kids at our church. And the first year we ever did this, I will never forget, we were, we were going to go Christmas shopping for some kids locally who just weren't going to get to have Christmas. We partnered with some local elementary schools and, and we, were, we got a list from these different kids of what they wanted for Christmas. And I'll never forget, we could only help a couple families, but we took the list from these kids and we decided we're going to go shopping. And so we took this list from this little girl, my girls and I, we went to Walmart and we had this list and her little list, it said, socks underwear and a dollhouse. And I was like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get socks and we're gonna get underwear and we're gonna get all sorts of clothes and we're gonna get the biggest dollhouse this child has ever seen in her whole life and we're gonna make Christmas amazing. And my girls and I, we shopped and we filled a shopping cart with all these things. And then we couldn't even fit the dollhouse in our car. We had to call Pastor Carrie to come and get it. But we delivered that to her and you should have seen the look on her face. And I was reminded what it's like to be generous. It's exciting to be generous. It, it's one of the most rewarding things ever. And I think this is why God's trying to help us catch a generous heart. To be generous means we're positioned and ready to give more of something. Not just the bare minimum, but above and beyond. Let's look at what Luke chapter six says before we got to everything. And starting in verse 30, it says, give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. 
And just as you want men to do for you, do also for them likewise, the golden rule. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive much back. But Jesus is saying, no, love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he's kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Listen to that scripture. When it says the unthankful and the evil, it's talking about us. We, we're the unthankful and the evil. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we did anything, Jesus gave his life for you and for me. He showed us mercy before we ever repented. There's nothing I can do to deserve that. And we have a father in heaven who goes, here I am giving you everything, forgiving. Yet you have a hard time giving. Listen, we've got to deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a grieving heart and develop a generous heart because it's God's plan for us. And number four is this, and finally, develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, verse 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Do you know what he's saying? I command you to be generous. And the authority I'm commanding you from is that everything you have comes from me. Listen, you've got to remember who you were so that you never stop being grateful for all that God has done for you. Generosity actually comes from a place of gratitude. You know, my husband, if you've spent any time with him, is probably one of the most generous people that I know. Oftentimes, he wants to give in ways that freak me out. <laughs> but I trust him because he knows how to be generous. And you know, I think the reason that Carrie is so generous is because he has never gotten over being saved. He's never gotten over what God has actually done for him. He has this revelation and this understanding that everything we have and everything that we are is because of God. And because of that attitude of gratitude, it enables him to be generous. And that scripture says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Listen, we gotta remember where we came from, that there was absolutely nothing we could ever do to earn the grace and the love of God. There's no way I can ever pay back what has been given to me. When I get that revelation, it develops an attitude of gratitude. And I'm just challenging you. Listen, I believe God wants for us to live a blessed life so that we can be a blessing. And it all starts with the heart. Listen, it's, it's in the matters of the heart that God really cares. He wants us to deal with the selfish heart, deal with the grieving heart, develop a generous heart and develop a grateful heart. And I just wanna ask you to take a minute and think about where you're at today. You know, a handful of years ago, I was really sick, 
visibly on the outside looked like I had strep throat or something like that. My throat was huge and swollen. My lymph nodes were like rocks. I had a fever. I couldn't talk. I was stuck in bed for over a week. I hate that. And so we went to an urgent care and they, they gave me all sorts of medicine to treat what they could see. Steroids, antibiotics, all these things, but I just wasn't getting better. And so I had to go to a specialist and I went to an ear, nose and throat doctor and he began to look at my throat and he realized that back behind one of my tonsils, there was a pus pocket that was huge. And he said, the only way that you're going to actually get better is if we lance that. Exactly what you're all thinking. I was panicked. I was grabbing the arm of this nurse, probably ripping the arm off of this nurse, crying. The process was extremely painful. But after the pain came healing. And I just wanna challenge you that maybe this conversation today feels a little bit painful. Maybe you feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I just wanna challenge you. Remember, God is not looking at what man looks at. He's not looking at what's visible to everyone else. God wants our heart. He's coming in behind the scenes going, what do we need to do with your heart? And I just wanna ask you to be willing to say, God, what do you wanna do inside of me today? So would you bow your heads and close your eyes and just take a moment to be real with God and just say, God, what are you trying to speak to me? Do I need to deal with a, a selfish heart? Do I need to deal with a grieving heart? Are you challenging me in an area of generosity or gratefulness? God, what do you want to speak to me today? And then let's just be open to obey him. So God, I, I lift up every person in this room. God, I, I thank you that you know us. God, I thank you that you love us, that there's nothing we can do to earn your love or your grace. God, I thank you that you've got good things in store for us. And I just pray today you would challenge each and every one of us at the core of who we are. God, what are the things we need to work on? What are the things we need to change? In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye still closed. Nobody looking around. We're just here for one more minute. Listen, if you're here today and maybe you came in and you're wrestling with the idea of faith. To be honest, you're not really sure what you believe. Maybe you've never made a decision to, to surrender your heart to Jesus. Today's your day. I don't want you to miss a moment. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And to anyone who would open that door, he'll come in with love and grace and compassion. And maybe you're here and you need to make a decision today to surrender your heart to Him. And maybe you're here and you've just been running from God, if you were honest, you've been doing things your own way and you know today is the day to come back. I'd just like to take a moment and pray a prayer with you as well. So if you're here and today is the day, whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, that you need to say, I'm, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm not gonna ask you to pray out loud. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat, but quietly in your own seat, if that's you, would you just pray with me and let these words be the cry of your heart. Say, dear God, I know that you're real. I believe that you gave 
your son Jesus for me. And I thank you for loving me. I thank you for forgiving me. I'm sorry that I've tried to do this my own way, but today I'm making a decision to follow you. And all around this room, if that's you, let these words be the cry of your heart. Just say this, say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.